Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, if you would, open up your Bibles to Luke 17, and if you put a finger in there or some kind of a marker, and then turn over to 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. Luke 17 and 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. I don't know if you realize this or not, but overwhelmingly, when groups of people have been asked, what is the most positive event that you would like to happen to you? The majority, and when I say the majority, the vast majority, like 90% of the people say that they would like, the positive event that they want to happen in their life is to win the lottery. Thousands of people that were surveyed, this is what they came up with, winning the lottery. Now, um, here recently, there was a Powerball uh, event that happened here in America. I don't know if you heard about that or not. And somebody in South Carolina won um, billions of dollars. Um, The reality is that the likelihood of somebody being struck by lightning is one in a million. All right. I I, I can live with those odds. And so I, you know, I don't stay on the golf course when it's uh, lightning, but um, I'm not afraid to go outside of a building in a thunderstorm. When it comes to winning the lottery, the odds are 1 in 327 million. What that means is one person will win the lottery and 327 people are going to be struck by lightning. That, that's what those odds tell us. But yet that's what everybody wants to, that's that ultimate positive experience that people want to experience. And what's interesting is, that a study was done on people who have won the lottery, actually won millions. And what they found out was that just 18 months later, the folks who had won the lottery, won millions of dollars, were no happier than those who didn't. You know, this is not just limited lottery winners. Have anyone ever got a new car? Like opening the door, sitting down, and that fresh new car smell... Oh, and, and it drives better. Even the gas pump is easier. Everything about that new car is more wonderful. But what happens after the first payment? The smell goes away. Well, maybe it's not a new car. Nowadays, it's a new phone. A bigger, better phone. And when you, when you pull that phone up, it, it, somehow the, the ring sounds better. The video with your grandchildren is more clear. But eventually, you put too many apps on it or the wrong app, and it starts to slow down. And then what do you have to do two years later? Buy a new phone. That's right. Even though the one you have is functioning, maybe it's at work. You get a promotion. And this is the promotion you've been waiting for for months, if not years. And then you finally get that job. You get not just a promotion, but what comes with the promotion? More money, yes, and then more responsibilities. 
And then all of a sudden that new promotion is not quite what it was cracked up to be. And those responsibilities far outweigh the money that they give you. So maybe it's not a new promotion. Maybe it's the new job that we need. And so you move to a new job, but eventually, guess what happens? The new job becomes an old job or just a job. Maybe it's not a work. Maybe it's not a phone. How about a new house? We just had the privilege of buying a house here in Centralia, moving in, and everything had just been going along smoothly. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, we got a washer and dryer in the, in the unit, and um, I hooked up the water to the, the washer, and I turned it on, and it's leaking all over the place. And I'm like, oh, come on, you know. What of all, I mean, so I didn't think about all of the great things that have been happening with this new house. All I dwelled on yesterday was the water leaking. Well, you know what? Maybe it's not a house. Maybe some of us want a new wife or husband. You know, it might be 10 years, it might be 25 years, it might be 50 years, but at some point uh, we get to that point where we think that our relationship would be better if it was with somebody else. I I know you're probably not going to believe this or not, but I found out recently that people who live in Maui get old of looking at the ocean. I remember thinking about this as I, I came out of, of where I was working over there. And I was like, oh. I mean, because uh, Maui is built on a volcano. And so, eh, I mean, it's just perfectly sloped. And so wherever you're standing, you've got a, a view of the ocean. It's beautiful, wonderful, incredible. And so we're coming out for lunch with a group of folks who, who work there. And we're like, oh, I would love to come out and have this view every day when I went to lunch. And somebody said, it gets old. I'm like, I'm willing to find out. But I knew I had to come back. You know, it's amazing how blessed we can be and yet how ungrateful we can be. The phenomena that that I'm talking about is uh, what they call a hedonistic adaptation. And what that means is you get the new car, but the new car becomes an old car. You get the new job, and the new job becomes an old job. You get the new wife, and the new wife becomes the old wife. You get to Maui, and Maui gets old after a few years. The psychologists, they call this the hedonic treadmill. And what happens is the euphoria eventually wears off, and it becomes the new normal. And the new normal is just not quite enough. And if it's not the hedonic treadmill that affects us, it's a thing called negativity bias where we have this innate ability as human beings to find the cloud inside the silver lining. We can find what's going wrong in our lives. It does, I mean, we're gifted at this. I'm looking at a room full of people who are gifted at finding what's wrong. We're all, if, if you've got a pulse, you can check it. Uh, you're one of those folks that have that ability. And so what I want to do today is talk to you about being thankful about gratitude. You see, gratitude is a value that unlocks so many other positive values. Gratitude improves our physical health. How many people would like to be better physically? What I'm going to share with you today from Scripture will improve your health. Not only will it improve your physical health, it will improve your mental health. Not only does gratitude do do that, but it also helps you sleep better. 
How many people could use a better night's sleep? I'm about to give you the magic pill. And it's not even a pill. You know, gratitude will help you envy less. Now, I'm not going to ask that. Who needs to, to, to envy less? But being thankful for what you have changes the way that you look at everything. Gratitude will help you be kinder. Now, do not elbow anybody right now. But gratitude has the ability to help us be kinder to all those around us, not just our grandkids. Gratitude will improve your relationships. And the way that gratitude improves your relationships, it doesn't make your husband or wife better. It makes you better. Gratitude will help you make better decisions. It'll help you be less self-centered. It'll help you be more optimistic. Gratitude will help us be less materialistic. You see, gratitude turns whatever we have into more than enough. So if gratitude unlocks so many positive qualities, why is it that there's a tragedy that really, for many people, they never experience true and wonderful gratitude? And here's what I would say is that we should all be asking God to transform our hearts from one that is entitled to one that is grateful. If you would, join me in praying. Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would be with us this morning. Lord, have your will and your way. Have your message heard. And I just pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's 58 days left in 2018. And if you look on the back of your um, bulletin, you'll see that 2018 for us here at Temple Baptist has been a year of prayer and preparation. Uh, so last December, you called me as your pastor, and, and it's been an almost long 12 months, but 11 months, and here we are. And so for the last year, we have been focused on uh, praying and preparing for what God has in store for us here. And really, we only have 58 days left in 2018. And so what I want to encourage us today is to think about it this way. Let's finish 2018 strong. Let's not just coast into the end of the year and start 2019 and then get motivated. Because here's what's going to happen. I, I, I know you've probably experienced this before, but in a couple of weeks... People are going to start thinking about the new year. And they're going to start thinking about wanting to be healthier. They're going to start thinking about wanting to make things better in their life. And so what they're going to tell themselves is, I'm going to wait until January 1st. And then I'm going to, get, I'm going to start. What I would encourage you is don't wait. Because what I want to do is share with you a topic of think differently. And when I say think differently, um, this is... I want to teach you how that in 21 days you can transform your outlook on life. Not waiting until January. Because some folks will do it, but most people won't make it past January 17th. So let's start here in November. Let's finish 2018 strong. And let's find out what the Bible tells us about having a heart of gratitude. About being thankful. Because, you know, um, the secular society has got this figured out. If you Google the word gratitude, you will see that they've got everything that I shared with you has been documented by a scientific study. So when I tell you that it makes your health better, they've got evidence that shows that um, by practicing uh, gratitude and actually having it in your life, your blood pressure lowers. Now, it's easier to take the pill. But the reality is you don't have to wait for the pill. You don't have to get a new prescription. God's got a prescription for us that works all the time. 
But here's the, what's interesting. To think differently, you have to think differently. And so this wasn't a mistake. If you look at, at, at the way that it was spelled, it's T-H-A-N-K. The A was there on purpose because we need to learn as Christians, we need to learn how to thank God properly. Because I would probably um, argue that most of us are falling short when it comes to the blessings that God has poured into our lives and the amount of thanks and praise that we give back to the Lord for those blessings. What do I mean by that? Well, what I want to do is over the next three weeks, I want to share with you on this topic of thinking differently. And I want to show you how that in 21 days, here's what's interesting. Something I'm going to share with you today has um, been demonstrated just in 21 days to revolutionize people's lives. And I'm going to give you three things each week. And the first thing is a biblical principle. The second thing is the biblical context of this. And then finally, I'll share with you the biblical, the true biblical response if you really want to think differently, if you want to transform your outlook on life. I ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 18. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, if you knew what the will of God was for your life, would you want to do that? Okay, I'm going to ask this side. If you knew what the will of God was for your life, would you want to do that? Okay. I'm not going to... No. Yeah, it's true. It's hard. It's scary. But here's what the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks when you have the new car. Give thanks when you're driving the old jalopy. Give thanks when you get the new house. Give thanks when the water's not working the way you want it to. Give thanks when you get the new job. Give thanks when you lose a job. The Bible tells us that every one of us in here, all of us, are to give thanks for all of our circumstances. Not just the good ones. Because this is God's will for each of us. So you could take out the you and put your name in there. That's the way that works. And so the principle, the biblical principle is this. Thank, find your blessings. Why? Because they're there. You know, we sing a song in church called Counting Blessings, or Count Your Blessings. And usually it doesn't go beyond singing the four verses of that song. We don't take it with us when we go to lunch and count our blessings. We don't do it when we get home this evening. We think about doing it before we go to bed or when we wake up, but that's not something that happens for us. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a little bit about gratitude. And I want to break down the anatomy of what, what is gratitude. And here it is. You need three things to be grateful. Number one, you need to have a benefit. Not only do you need to have a benefit, but you need to have a benefactor. And then the third thing is you need to have a beneficiary. In this case, that's you. So when it comes to being grateful, we need to have the blessing. We need to have the benefactor, which is God. And we need to have the beneficiary, which is us. And what's interesting is this, that if you are missing or unaware of any of these three things, 
instead of being grateful, you'll experience a phenomenon called ingratitude. That means that if you are blessed with a new home and you don't consider that new home a blessing, even though there's a benefactor and even though there's a beneficiary you, you will find out that you become ungrateful. You experience ingratitude towards that blessing. Or, or maybe you recognize that you have a blessing, that, that that new car was a blessing that was brought into your lives. However, you forget who the benefactor was that made that possible. And you end up with ingratitude. Or maybe you recognize the blessing and you recognize the benefactor, but you don't realize that you were the beneficiary of that blessing. And when that happens, you'll be ungrateful you'll experience ingratitude and here's the danger church the danger is this that ingratitude grows and it breeds pride and pride will make us bitter So when God brings blessings into our lives and we don't recognize them as blessings, we don't recognize that God brought them, or we don't recognize that there are blessings, we'll be ungrateful. And at some point along the line, we'll stop being ungrateful and we'll start feeling entitled to expect those blessings every day. And when we don't feel like we get them or we fall into that hedonistic adaptation, we get onto that hedonic treadmill, what we'll find out is that we need something new. I mean, that's why we are out there buying new cars all the time. I mean, they, they still work. They still drive just fine. But yet we'll trade them in for a new one. And I'm not telling you it's wrong to trade in new cars. But sometimes God gives us blessings that, that we look past. And what we find out is we start being ungrateful. And at some point, we let pride into our lives about the things that God has brought into our lives, and we get bitter. And instead of thanking God for what he's given us, we start questioning God, why aren't you giving us more? You know, it's hard in America for anybody to be ungrateful, but you know what? We're pretty good at it. Why is that? Well, let me share with you the biblical context. And the biblical context is in Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read a couple verses to you, starting in verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he was Jesus. And as he entered into the village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Now, what I want you to understand is um, to have leprosy back in Jesus' day was almost a death sentence. Now, I I don't know if you've gotten very close to me or not, but I got something going on on this eye right here. All right? You've probably seen it, and you were very gracious, and you didn't mention it to me. And most of you didn't have that look of horror that people have uh, had throughout the last week. And, and literally, this is the best it's looked in 10 days. I felt like I had leprosy. Last weekend, my eye was swollen up, and um, we had a chance to visit with our grandson. And all my daughter-in-law could think of was, is that pink eye? I felt like a leper. 
Because as I was holding my grandson, she's like looking at me like I, 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 was, I should be saying, unclean. Because that's what the lepers had to do. And so the verse says that they, from afar off, they yelled out, Jesus, have mercy on us. You know, leprosy is an interesting disease. Believe it or not, sometimes it starts on the eyelid. It starts on the extremities, the fingers, the toes. Areas where there's the least amount of blood supply. And what's interesting about leprosy is most diseases have pain that's associated with it. Like that's how you know something's wrong. It hurts. You go to the doctor. They diagnose you with a disease or some kind of malady. But when it comes to leprosy, leprosy, most people think that the disease is what we see. That, that ugliness, the, the, the eyeball being puffed up like this, uh, the skin drying or, or falling off, or digits literally falling off. But really, leprosy, what it is, it's a bacteria in the body that deadens, that anesthetizes the body. And so what happens is you don't realize that your uh, hands are touching something that's really hot, and then you burn yourself, and then you don't feel the pain from the multiple-degree burn. And so if you don't feel pain from it, you don't treat it, and then all of a sudden the fingers are gone. You see, this disease of leprosy starts killing off cells by deadening them, by taking away the pain. You know, a lot of us, that's what we ask God to do is take away the pain. And what really God is trying to do in our lives is put pain there to give us a warning sign. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I first started driving my first car, um, I had this little light that kept coming on. And it said G-E-N. I didn't like that little light. So I took a little piece of electrical tape and I put over it. Now, did that make the problem go away? It, It didn't. Matter of fact, would it surprise you? That one day I'm driving home a 16-year-old in my Chevy Nova, and then as I'm pulling onto my street, it's making this noise. It's like, a, like the horn's going off, but I couldn't turn the horn off. And as I'm driving up, my dad comes running out, you know, giving me the cut the power signal. And like in the middle of the road, I stopped. I turned the engine off. It had run out of water. See, that's what that little light was telling me. I needed to check on something. Did I check on it? No, what did I do? I did what leprosy does, and I just covered the pain. And it almost ruined. If I do that in a car today, it'd be ruined. Thankfully, in a 1970s built car, um, it had grace on this little teenager. Verse 14 in Luke chapter 17, it says, When he saw them, this is Jesus, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, Jesus was giving them a test of their faith, just like many of us experience on a daily basis. He didn't say, he didn't do any razzle-dazzle. See, what everybody knew that if you could just get into Jesus' presence, he, history tells us that he almost eradicated sickness in that area around Jerusalem. And these lepers had heard about Jesus. And when they saw him and his disciples coming along, they shout out to have mercy on them as well. Because if you had leprosy, your daughter-in-law didn't just look at you like you were weird. But the entire society separated themselves from you. You weren't allowed to come within the limits of the city. 
So their family was taken from them. Their jobs were taken from them. All they had left was Jesus. And so when they shout out to Jesus, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now when he said that, they still had all the evidence of leprosy. But here's what the Bible tells us. And as they went, they were cleansed. In verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now how many people, how many lepers were healed? Ten. How many came back? One. How many were healed? How many came back? How many were healed? How many came back? Do you think that those odds are probably with us today? That ten of us are being blessed by the Savior of the world. And probably just one of us are going back to him and letting him say thanks. I don't know if that's true. But here's what I do know is that 18 months later, whatever the blessings that God has brought into our lives, most of us forget about them. And we go back to our lives. Think about it this way. What was the benefit that they received? They were healed from their leprosy. Who was the benefactor that allowed them to be healed? It was none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And who was the beneficiary? How many? Ten lepers received the same exact blessing. Here's the biblical response when God puts blessings in our lives. And it's very simple. That we are to thank God for what he has given to us. Now I know that sounds like it's a simple statement. And it is. But let me share with you this. It's a very profound statement. Because the reason why God wants us to be thankful, to be grateful, is because most of us don't. I don't know. Is this the first time someone's ever shared with you that we probably should be more grateful than we are in America? Probably not. Probably read it, heard it, seen it. And the truth of the matter is we should be. So what I want to do today, if you'll open up your bulletins, you'll see a little card in there. And I want to share with you a skill. And, and this skill, is what's interesting, is it just works. You know, because uh, one of the things that if you get close to me and, and you ask me, what is, how do you look at the Christian life, at the Christian walk? And what I would tell you is that I want to be a part of practical Christianity. You know, I don't want to just come to church, and I don't want to just sing songs, and I, don't, I want to live a life that's been changed, that's been transformed because of what Jesus Christ has done. Not just because of what he's done on the cross, but because of what he's done in my life. And what I find interesting is, and, and I don't know if it's true for you, but it's been true for me many times, where I would come to church, the pastor would preach, it would convict my heart, and what he would convict my heart would never make it past lunch at Shoney's. I'd get to Shoney's and I would forget about everything the pastor had said. I'd forget about what the Holy Spirit was saying to my heart. 
And then all of a sudden, I'm home, I'm watching football, and I didn't think about it again. And so what I want to do with you is I don't want you to make that same mistake that I've made many times. And that is, come here and find out that, you know what, you should be more thankful about what God's brought into your life. And what I want to do is share with you a skill. And so it's just a little card like this. Some of you got color, you're special. And the rest of us are mere mortals, and and we got the gray scale, black and white. But here's the skill, and that's this, that lists three good things or blessings that have happened to you in the last 72 hours. Now, really, the time doesn't matter, but the reason why I'm asking you to do it in the last 72 hours is to show you that you don't have to rely on the blessings from 10 years ago. God is still in heaven. God is still blessing you today. And what I'd ask you to do, and and you don't have to fill these out and write them in right now, but I would ask you that you actually do this. Not, Not only today, but I would challenge you over the next 21 days to do this. Because here's what's interesting. I don't know if you realize this, but I have a medical background. I've worked in a hospital for the last 28 years. And here's one of the things that I found out is this very skill that if somebody who is diagnosed with depression... Somebody who is on antidepressant medication. Somebody who is hospitalized for this. I don't know if you've ever met someone like that, but they struggle getting out of bed every morning. And when I say struggle, I don't mean like I struggle getting out of bed in the morning. Like when I come out of bed, my lower back hurts and then my neck hurts. And they don't want to get out of bed in the morning. But here's what's interesting. This is what the secular world has discovered that if they're able to identify three good things in their lives and able to do that for 21 days that they're taken out of the hospital they're taken off the medication and they're no longer clinically diagnosed as having depression now if the secular world has figured that out and god's word tells us what we should be doing which is this the problem is Again, for me, when I'm good at counting my blessings, I could write down a bunch of things, but then I forget about that sheet of paper. So if you turn it over to the back, I want to introduce you to a concept called savoring the blessings that God has brought into your life. What do we do with that? Well, so when I talk about savoring, anybody have a favorite food in here? You don't have to tell me what it is, all right? Um, I've got one of my favorite foods is a, a chicken... Uh, casserole that Carrie makes. It's chicken and rice. And when we come home from church, it's, I mean, the whole house smells of this chicken and rice. I mean, it is, mm, mm, mm. I've told many people that if I was stranded on a deserted island and I could only pick one food that would be provided each day, it would be this chicken and rice. And so, I mean, I can, when I would eat that, I would savor it. I would, I mean, I would taste all the flavors. I would enjoy the smell. Well, what I want us to do is do the same thing with the blessings that God has brought into our lives. I want you to savor them. I want you not just to scarf them on down like some of you all were doing with chili last night. I want you to, mmm. And then as the fire's going out of your ears from eating Brian's chili, I want you to savor the blessings. How do, we, how do we savor the blessings that God has brought into our lives? Remember, we have to not just think, T-H-A-N-K, differently. You have to think, T-H-I-N-K, differently. And what that means is we have to think about the blessing. 
Now, if I told you to write three blessings down and I said, think about those blessings, most of us would fail. Because we'd look at it and we'd think, mm, I thought about it, and we're done 20 seconds later. That's not what savoring looks like. And so the savoring looks like this. Just ask yourself these four questions. And here's my challenge to you. Today, when you sit down at lunch, maybe it's with somebody that's here with us today. Maybe you can surprise somebody that didn't come to church here and you're having lunch with them. And you say, look, we got this new pastor. And he had this crazy ideal that people would love it if they would do this thing called finding your blessings. Here's what it looks like. Um, You write down three things and then you ask everybody at the table to identify three blessings that have come into their lives in the last 72 hours. And then you simply ask these four questions. Why did that blessing happen? I, I don't expect you to write it down on there. What does this blessing mean to you? What can you do to enable more blessings like this? And last question is, how did you or other people enable that blessing to come into your life? Go with me back in the time of Jesus and transport this piece of paper with you back to that time. And as we we sit down with that Samaritan who was just blessed by having his leprosy removed. His life has not just been changed, it's been transformed. And you could sit down with him and you said, hey, would you share with me a blessing that's happened to you in the last 72 hours? What do you think he would say? I just got healed from leprosy. You say, well, you know, we've got this pastor back in 2018 and he had this crazy idea about doing this skill called finding your blessings. He said, do you mind if I ask you four questions about that? What do you think the leper would say? Ask me. And so if you said, why did that blessing happen to you? What do you think the leper would tell us? Here's what I think he would tell us. Well, you know what? We had heard all of us were talking about the fact that um, there was this guy going around healing everybody. He had even healed a leper earlier, a couple years earlier. And we heard about that and we told ourselves, if we could just ever see him and his disciples, I'll bet he would heal us. And so we saw them, and we, we weren't sure if it was him, but we thought it was. And so we started yelling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And you're not going to believe what happened. He just told us, go show ourselves to the priest. And while we were walking, our skin was like new. Well, then you ask him that second question. Well, what does that mean to you? He goes, are you kidding me? What does it mean to me? My life has been changed. My life has been transformed. I get to go home and have dinner with my family tonight. I get to sleep in the same roof that I grew up in. You ask the third question. What can you do to enable more blessings like this? He goes, well, don't get leprosy. That's number one. He said, but if you see Jesus and you got something wrong, just shout out to him. And the last question, how did you and others contribute to this blessing? Here's what's interesting. Most people, when blessings happen to them, think that they got up, they literally tripped over the blessing that God provided in their lives. You ask them, why did that blessing happen? They're like, I don't know. Why did I win the lottery? And what they don't realize is that there's a very specific reason why those blessings happen. Because the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. 
And it says that there's no shadow of turning. That means he doesn't treat Romy differently than he treats you, Gary. The same God that would heal ten lepers will take care of us. The same God, I mean, this is what I do. I go find where it happened in the Bible, and then I, I just bring it to God. And say, Lord, I know you don't have favorites. I, I've been praying about this on my eye this week. I said, Lord, I know you don't want me to be in front of the people. And then, he, you know what, he, he didn't speak to me, but this is what came back. Uh, you're talking about leprosy. Maybe you need to keep that a couple more days. What if we found one of the other nine? You know, the ones that didn't come back. The ones that didn't show gratitude. The ones that, by all intents and purpose, based on their actions, were ungrateful. What if we sat down with them? Say, hey, um, you know... <laughs> Ronnie Tabor from uh, 2018, um, I heard something special has happened in your life. Do you mind if I do this thing called finding blessings with you? What's one good thing that's happened to you in the last 72 hours? And what do you think one of those nine uh, lepers would tell you? I was healed from leprosy. But here's what happens. Remember I told you that there's three things that, that gratitude is built around. A blessing, the benefit, the benefactor, and the beneficiary. And if you miss any of those three, what's going to result from that? Ingratitude. Being ungrateful. And if you don't fix that, what will it ultimately lead to? Bitterness. Because here's what I think probably happened with one of those or most of those nine former lepers. If you ask them why that blessing happened to you, well, they would probably tell you because I'm a Jew, I was born, I've lived a good life. And if you asked them, what does this mean to you? So, well, it, they would probably get, jump on that hedonic treadmill and start telling you about all the good things that finally come back to them. And then if you look at the third question and how could they enable more blessings, they might be at a loss. And if you asked them, how did you contribute to this? Well, they would tell you that I, they were a good person. But the reality is this. The blessings that God has for us are all around us. It may not be as dramatic as being healed from leprosy. Let me share with you some things that have happened in my personal life. So this is something that God has allowed me to do for years. So I'm going to share some pictures with you and kind of explain it. I don't know if you can see that one, but look in the center. Um, that center picture is a picture of me and my dad, and we're actually working on a truck. You know, when I see that picture, I think back to the blessings that God's brought into my life. My dad's health isn't the greatest. But it's phenomenal that I'm able to go and visit him. And on this day, we're working on my truck. You know, and as I look at that picture, I think about that truck. That truck's a 2008 King Ranch F-150. But what you don't know about that truck is my dad gave that truck to me. He didn't have to. I didn't need him to give it to me, but he wanted to bless me. You see, and when it comes to blessing, there's three things we need, right? We need a blessing. Would you consider being given a pretty nice truck a blessing? I did. And then we need to have a benefactor. And in this case, not only was it God, but my dad got to be a part of that. And not only that, but there has to be a beneficiary. Guess who that beneficiary was? 
this guy right here. You know what? Every time I see that truck I think I want to do, I'm going to call my dad. I can show you 50 texts, because that was two years ago, where I've texted him and said, Dad, thank you so much for giving me this truck. I picked up the phone and I've called him. I said, hey, Dad, guess what I'm thinking about? It gets old now. I know. The truck. When I look at the other picture, I see Miss Mona. You know, that was probably her first selfie. I love the fact that my tie matched her dress perfectly. Because that was the last time I got to see Miss Mona. Today she's in heaven. So I get a, when I see that, I think of the blessing that God brought into my life in the name of, in the form of Miss Mona. Look at that other picture uh, sitting there beside a cute blonde. You know where we're going? It doesn't matter. Because I was going with her. I have no clue. There we are. She's driving, and I say, hey, smile at the camera. Let me show you some other pictures. That, that one in the center, those are three of my great nephews. They like hanging out with Uncle Ron. Because I take them shopping. It used to be Toys R Us. I, I got to find a new place. They closed down. That one on the uh, left is my two sons. They're grown men acting like that, yes. And what had happened was two days earlier I had taken them through a workout of the day. And my oldest son, um, literally his back was fried. He could barely move. And so my wife, I don't know if you know this, she's a health coach and she's into all things health. And she had these little foam roller things. And I don't know about you, if you've ever tried a foam roller, there's nothing soft about them. And so here is my um, son whose back is hurting, and my wife encourages him, you need to do the foam roller. And so my younger son decides to help him and grabs his legs and starts rolling him back and forth over that roller, and he is screaming. And literally the whole house is dying laughing. That's a great memory. The fact that God gave us two boys. He's allowed us to be together. Many times throughout the year. If you look over at the picture on the right, there's me. But if you look behind me, you'll see my wife's family. You see our two boys. Get to know me a little bit and you'll know that family is important to me. And so every time I think about my family, I think about the blessings that God has brought to my life. I think about two precious grandsons. I think about two beautiful, wonderful daughters-in-laws that love our sons. You see, I don't, I don't struggle finding my blessings. I could do this for an hour with you. I literally have an app where I take pictures of different memories. I just added two not too long ago. Look, look at the next set of pictures. Look at that one in the upper right. There's Monica. Does that not look like Joy and Cindy? And then right there in the middle, not quite Joy, that's my niece, Tessa. And she wasn't having any of that picture. I see three blessings. And then if you look at the bottom left-hand picture, most of those people in the picture have no clue why they're in that picture. <laughs> but they look like they're having a good time, don't they? And, and here's what happened. They needed ten people in the picture. And they just grabbed anybody. 
And they didn't know why they were getting their picture taken, probably until just now realized that that's why they had their picture taken. But what I saw was joy last night in the gym as grown adults running all over this campus. Some of them taking a nosedive right on this. I will not say any names. Nose, I mean, sliding in the home plate like Pete Rose. Grown adults. Ray shared with me that he said he thinks that if his mom would have seen him, she'd have taken us all out back to, with a switch. And she probably would have. But it was wonderful to watch our church experience the blessings of God. It was wonderful while a bunch of raving lunatics were running around this facility, some of the more seasoned veterans were still sitting at the tables enjoying themselves, being blessed. See, here's the reality, that until Christ is all that you have, you'll never know that Christ is all that you need. Let me say that again. Until... Christ is all that you have, you'll never realize that Christ is all that you need. If you've never gone onto a foreign mission field, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Because you go over to Haiti, Haiti, they have nothing. If you looked at a map of the world at night, you would see a lot of countries lit up because there's electricity. Haiti, just a dark spot. But yet, if you got together with some Haitian Christians, you would experience a worship like you've never experienced in your life. Why? Because they realized that all they had was Christ. And because of that, they had everything. You know, we don't need the new car, although we'll take it. Because what's really important is, do you have Christ? Take the new job, but don't take the new job if Christ doesn't come with that. Take the new house, complain about the water leaking, call a plumber, but remember that Christ is the one who provided the house. It's so easy for us in America to look beyond all the blessings that God has poured out, extravagantly poured out on us. He's done that here at Temple Baptist Church. God has blessed us as a church. There is no reason why we should be in existence with what we've gone through for the last 18 months. Who calls a pastor and waits 12 months for him to get here? And how do churches thrive during that time? You know why? Because God brought five pastors to this church. And we have Pastor Ray. We have Pastor Gary. We have Pastor Lee who's preaching at another church today. We had Pastor Mike and his family. And they have rallied and... Is that a blessing or what? God has blessed us. God has blessed us corporately as a church. I believe that God has blessed everyone in here individually. But let me share this with you. That if you miss the point that it's all about what Christ has done. And it starts with what Christ did on the cross. If we miss that. The new car is not going to mean anything when you get to the next life. The new job's going to be gone. The 401k is going to be finished. The billion that you won in the lottery is nowhere to be found. 
Let me read to you in chapter, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read in verse 4 through 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known. Now, now here's what it means by this. He's saying, and, and when he's talking to the Philippian church, the Philippian church wasn't one who was blessed like we have been. The Philippian church was one that was persecuted. The Philippian church was one, though, that had the spirit of brotherly love throughout. And he says, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. And then he goes, tells them, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Here's why you should rejoice, because the day of the Lord is at hand. In verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. Most of us let our requests be known unto God with anxiety, with fear and trepidation, not with thanksgiving. And then if you'll jump over to verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances I have learned the secret of facing plenty... And the secret of facing hunger, abundance, and need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, most of us have taken that verse, and this is the way we use it. Here's how I've used it for the last 28 years in the military. When I'm getting ready to, to take a PT test, I say this a lot. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as I'm running, as I'm doing push-ups. But you know what? That's really not what God meant when he put it here in Philippians, although he, he probably let me get by with it a couple times. What he's saying is this. I can do all things. What is the all thing that Paul is talking about that we can do through Christ? Here's what it is. Give thanks in all circumstances. To give thanks when we've got the job that we don't want. To give thanks when we're driving the car that we don't want. To give thanks when we want to strangle our kids. That's what we can do in Christ Jesus. So when I tell you that you have the ability over the next 21 days to think differently, I'm not telling you this. Paul's telling us in Philippians 4, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can do this through Christ Jesus. You can give thanks when there's nothing to be thankful for. And you can give thanks when there's all to be thankful for. But the way that we do this is through Christ Jesus. Without that, we come up short. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.